Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the past week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. We know some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive by the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever one of those categories you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here today. This is the February 28th episode of the recap. So if you're following along on a reading plan, we've been in the books of Exodus, Job, and Luke. In these chapters, it starts off with um, Pharaoh makes their lives worse uh, and hard, much, much harder before he starts to work the signs and wonders through Moses. Pharaoh starts to make them work much harder and do impossible tasks. Like they have to go get the wheat now in order to make the brick and still produce the same amount of bricks that they were being made to produce before as his slaves. He goes on with the 10 plagues and I read a lot of the 10 plague stuff. There's only a couple things that really stood out to me in those passages that I haven't really noticed before. I don't remember noticing before. But in the first passage where Pharaoh, where Moses goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh makes their lives excruciatingly painful. They were painful before as slaves, but mm-hmm. then he makes their lives excruciatingly painful with the workload that he's put on them and the amount of stress. And so the people are, they respond to Moses. We are not excited about your, <laughs> like, <laughs> this freedom that you're bringing to us. Uh, this God of the Hebrews is not good news for us, at least not right now. And so that was just a, a reminder that it's consistent with God's character that oftentimes things on this earth don't look better when God's hand intervenes. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes it can feel like it's getting a lot worse, but we have now the, the gift, the beauty of having the Holy Spirit live in us is that we have the ability to trust. We have the ability to experience his presence in the midst of that, to know that he is, he's faithful and we can trust mm-hmm. that when our lives get worse, we know that he will be faithful and that the goodness that is still to come whether it be on this earth or in heaven is worth it. Like it's, mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing, which is mm-hmm. obviously consistent with Job too, but. Right. Well, in something in Luke that stuck out to me too this week ties yeah. into that. Yeah. Then when I got to the plagues, I read it in story form the way that I often read the plagues. Kind of like I've read this a hundred times. I know what it's going mm-hmm. to say, but then in chapter nine, where it's talking about the strike of hail, All of Pharaoh's servants who had respect for God's word got their workers and animals undercover as fast as they could, but those who didn't take God's word seriously left their workers and animals out in the field. I feel like that's just one of those like first hints that, yes, he's the God of the Hebrews, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but his word has always been for everybody, Mm -hmm. and anybody that takes his word seriously has the benefit, you know, of the salvation mm-hmm. of God. It's about taking his word seriously. That's always been available to mm-hmm. everyone outside of even the Hebrews. And I don't know. I just love that. You know, you tend to look at all of the history of, of the Hebrews or of the old Testament. It's like, why was God so, so exclusive? It doesn't seem fair, but here you get to see his word, his signs and wonders were for everybody mm-hmm. and anybody that took him seriously. Yeah. And I noticed that several other times in those plague accounts where there are magicians recognize that it's God that's doing it because they, in the third plague, they couldn't bring the gnats anymore. And so they recognize that it's God because in the first two plagues, they're able to do the same things as Moses. They turn the water into blood and they bring the frogs. It says in chapter eight, this is the third plague. 
they've already turned the water to blood. And when Moses did that, the magicians did the same things. And then with the frogs, the magicians did the same thing. But the interesting thing about those two is that the magicians could bring those plagues, but they couldn't get rid of them. So, that's um, interesting because it doesn't actually say that, right? That's just an observation you made. No, it's okay. Chapter eight. Maybe I did just notice it. Yeah. I mean, that's just an, I mean, that's kind of a neat observation is that like if the magicians totally could make them, that. then Pharaoh should have been able to ask them to get rid of them. Right. So but Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron. Yeah. Yep. Which is the other thing. This is totally, when Pharaoh asks Moses and Aaron to come and get rid of the frogs, Moses says, okay, you get the honor of choosing. When do you want the frogs to disappear? And he doesn't and choose Pharaoh right says, now. tomorrow. Yeah. I just was like, <laughs> Pharaoh says tomorrow. So anyway, back to the, the gnats. So in yeah. chapter eight, verse 18, the magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. The gnats remained on people and animals. This is the finger of God, the magician said to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So they recognize they, and they're even telling Pharaoh, obviously something's going on here because we can't do it. And so it must be God, the real right. God. And then there were a couple of other ones too. In the locust plague, Pharaoh's officials basically say to him, come on, buddy, open your eyes. They say, don't you realize yet that Egypt is devastated? Why don't you let these people go so they could worship? So his he has people, his own people in his ear talking to him. Chapter 11, it says that Moses was highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the, the people, which when you were talking about that other section where they were able to pull their animals in from the hail, one of the things I was thinking when I was reading this this time was when I got to the Passover and the Israelites put the blood on the doorpost, it says in there that all of the firstborn in Egypt died. I wonder if there were any Egyptians that saw what the Israelites were doing with the blood mm. and applied it to their own doorposts and the I don't know. It doesn't mm -hmm. say that. It makes it sound like that didn't happen in scripture, but based on what happened with the other plagues where they recognized, okay, this is the Lord and we are going to listen to what Moses says and take our, put our people inside or whatever. It just made me wonder if there were any in the land of Egypt that weren't Israelites that. Well, in this case, I should, I need to go back and read it. So I'm just going to wonder aloud with you, but yeah. I feel like with the case before, Moses basically said, this is what's going to happen. And so right. the Israelites or the Egyptians had a chance. I feel like with the Passover, it wasn't public. Like, that. I don't think Moses yeah. told, like, I don't think there was anything outside right. of Hebrews to eat right. instruct So that. it would have been, in my wondering, it would have just been observation. Like if they were, they if they it, saw, like, yeah, if they're like, right, exactly. <laughs> like they're doing this and they haven't been affected by the plagues the way we have. I wonder if we should try. But it. It, it they just were still me. separated. Remember, they were. They still did have their own separate land. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I would have sent spies. Yeah. <laughs> but I also would have let them go long before Pharaoh did. So. <laughs> okay. So this is president twenty. Yes. On cover president. <laughs> so um, something else that I oh so. Well, I was going to say, unless you have something else. Okay, so two really quick things. Like the hard part about this passage in Exodus is that it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, like for mm -hmm. his purposes. But there is a section in chapter eight, the last verse in chapter eight, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Mm -hmm. This Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. So yes. that makes me think too, like, yes, 
that that's like that tension between God's sovereignty and our human responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's such a huge can of worms and God has control all over all of it. And yet as humans, we have a responsibility and like we make choices. And so I think this whole Pharaoh thing is just hanging in that tension of God using it for his purposes and being in control of it. And yet Pharaoh also making those choices to heart, making that choice to harden his heart. Yes. So two more really quick things that I loved in Exodus chapter seven in the very first plague at the very beginning, when um, the Lord is telling Moses what's going to happen in verse 17, he says, this is what the Lord says. Here is how you will know that I am the Lord watch. And in this case, it's kind of a negative thing. Like he's going to do hard things to prove that he's God, but it made me, I was like, I know I just read something in Luke and it was not in this week. So I'm totally cheating and going to Luke right now. But I feel like God does this for us because he knows that we're dust. He understands our humanity. Mm -hmm. And so he gives us these promises and truths and then he proves them to us because it's so hard for us to just believe those abstract concepts. It's Luke 5. He hears the, he heals the man who's paralyzed. So he's teaching with the Pharisees and the teachers and he, and some people bring a man in on a stretcher because he's paralyzed and they want him to heal him. So <laughs> Jesus says before he does anything, he, he, it says, seeing their faith, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And so then of course, like the scribes and Pharisees are freaking out because he's forgiving their sins. They're like, well, nobody can forgive sins by God. And so Jesus says, what's easier? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Like, which one's easier for you to say? But so that you know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins, I'm going to, basically Jesus is like, just so you know that I am who I say I am, I'm going to prove it by telling this guy to get up and walk. And so that's what he does. And the paralyzed Mm -hmm. man gets up and walks. And I just love how God understands us. I forget what Psalm it is, but he knows, he remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. He gets it. And so he understands that it's hard for us to believe the things that he tells us. And so he proves it to us by what he does. And I just thought that was a cool, because as soon as I read that in Exodus, I immediately thought of that scene in Luke. And so I had to go back and look for it. The other thing that stuck out to me in Exodus was the first time that God sends a plague and it doesn't affect the Israelites the same way it affects the Egyptians. In the fourth plague, when he sends flies, he says the Egyptians' houses will swarm with flies in the land, but he's going to give special treatment to the land of Goshen where his people are living and there won't be any flies there. And it, in verse 23 of chapter 8, it says, I will make a distinction between my people and your people. And there's a little note in my Bible. And so I looked down at the bottom. One of the other manuscripts says, I will make a distinction. Instead of I will make a distinction, it says, I will place redemption between my people and your people. Mm. And it just totally hit me again that redemption is a word that, I mean, it's pretty, I love that word anyway, but that God is redeeming his people, even in that small way. He's just showing over and over and over and over again, proving himself that his people are special and that they're his. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved that wording when I, cause I don't always go down and read those little notations. And I was really glad I did for that one. Moving on to Job because our time is really yes, short. Running out. I'm just going to hit the one highlight. And that is that I loved in chapter 28, 
We all know how silver seams the rocks. We've seen the stuff from which gold is refined. We're aware of how iron is dug out of the ground and copper is smelted from rock. Miners penetrate the earth's darkness, searching the roots of the mountains for ore, digging away in the suffocating darkness, far from civilization, far from the traffic. They cut a shaft and are lowered into it by ropes. He goes on and on about all the things mm -hmm. that we go to great lengths, far away to terrible circumstances to search for. And then he starts with verse 12, but where, oh, where will they find wisdom? Where does insight hide? Mortals don't have a clue. Yeah. And then verse 23, he says, God alone knows the way to wisdom. He knows the exact place to find it. He knows where everything is on earth and he sees everything under heaven. After he commanded the winds to blow and measured out the waters arranged for the rain and set off explosions of thunder and lightning, he focused on wisdom made sure it was all set and tested and ready. Then he addressed the human race. Here it is, fear of the Lord. That's wisdom and insight means shunning evil. I just, I've always loved wisdom passages. Anything about wisdom is, has always been intriguing to me. And I don't think I've, I've ever realized that Job put words to why it's so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so that beautiful because, yeah. yeah, because it's like, yes, that's why I love wisdom verses so much because it's a gift that comes only from the fear of God. And it says that if you go after it, you'll find it. There's that, you know, those promises that it gives us yeah. that wisdom is, wisdom is ours for the taking if we go after it and mm -hmm. if we search after it, which is really going after the fear of God, the fear and the knowledge mm -hmm. of God. And that's where wisdom comes from. Anyway, that passage really stuck out to me. It's just incredibly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly um, what I had. Yeah. And then in chapter 27 he says god alive he's this is the very beginning um having waited for zophar job now resumed his defense god alive he's denied me justice god almighty he's ruined my life but for as long as i draw breath and for as long as god breathes life into me i refuse to say one word that isn't true i refuse to confess to any charge that's false there's no way i'll ever agree to your accusations i'll not deny my integrity even if it costs me my life i'm holding fast to my integrity so it was just funny because when I read that, I refused to say one word that isn't true. I was like, go oh, Job, you know, thinking <laughs> like he's talking about in my head. I thought he was talking about like, I'm not going to say anything that isn't true about God, mm -hmm. but that verse is actually, it's uh, about like, himself. Yeah. It's about himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, still, it goes back to that saying, like I admire Job mm -hmm. for having a right perspective of who he is and knowing his faith was true and real mm -hmm. and that it remains true. Let's move to Luke because our time is short. So that wisdom passage that you were talking about was all the same stuff that I had underlined for Job. But it made me, when I was listening to you talk about it, it made me think about, well, two things. One, that verse, I think it's in James where God says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he gives to all men liberally. He wants to give us wisdom. It's not, we just have to ask for it, mm -hmm. which remind, which made me think about this verse in Luke at the end of. Yes, I noted. I know. It. Yeah. Middle of chapter 11, basically when he's talking about knocking and asking at the door and yep. and how he's a good father. And he's, if you're a father, who is going to give your son a bad gift? If they ask for one thing, you're going to give them something terrible. If he asks for a fish, who is going to give him a snake? And basically, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And those things that are, those intangible things like wisdom and the Holy Spirit, things that we can't really obtain on our own, God is just waiting for us to ask. Yes. 
and he will completely dump it on us when we ask him for it. That's all we have to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, it, I think it's actually the same chapter 11 in verse, I thought this is where you're going, but uh, 31 through 32 on judgment day, the queen of Sheba will come forward and bring evidence that condemns this generation because she traveled from a far corner of the earth to listen to wise Solomon wisdom far greater than Solomon's is right in front of you. And you quibble over evidence. Just that stood out to me that wisdom far greater than Solomon's. I mean, how can you have wisdom far greater than Solomon's? We have access to wisdom greater than Solomon. Solomon's was the greatest wisdom. He wrote mm -hmm. all the wisdom books because he was given the wisdom. He was offered the world. He was offered everything. He asked for wisdom and then wisdom. So God gave him wisdom like the world had never, ever seen mm -hmm. and everything <laughs> and right. all the gold and all right. because, because he asked for, because he chose wisdom. That was the, his treasure. And now wisdom far greater than Solomon's is right in front of you and you quibble over evidence and that going then, you know, taking that a step further, we like the gospel, just like you said, like the gospel is great because we have Jesus and salvation and righteousness and the ability to have a relationship with God. But that for me, like the even more amazing news that I can't get over it, wrap my head around access to the degree that I think that we're, <laughs> we're given access to is God inside of us. Jesus came that all that was in him, he gives to us. Mm -hmm. wisdom far greater than Solomon's was Jesus's. He leaves us the Holy spirit. That is, that is it. We have access to the depths of God, to all of the depths of God, as it says in second Corinthians. I'm sure there was tons of other things. He, you know, he covers so much in these. Passages. Oh, okay. I'm just glancing through at them. That ask passage, the one that yes. I was just talking about in chapter 11, he's, he's, he uses that example of the friend that comes over and asks for bread. Mm-hmm. He says, because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And it just made me think, of, well, Hebrews is one of my favorite books. And so it made me think of that veil being torn and how we all have access. And kind of like what we were just mm -hmm. talking about, we all have access and we are, not only are we allowed to go with shameless boldness to the throne, but God wants us to come with shameless boldness to the throne. He wants us to ask like all of these things. Yes. And it doesn't mean that tying way back into the beginning when we were talking about Exodus and how God doesn't always make life easier when he intervenes right at the beginning, but recognizing that all we need to do is ask. And he just wants to lavish those things like the Holy spirit and wisdom on us. Yes. He wants us to ask with shameless boldness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I've talked to you about this before too, but you know, at the end of that passage, I've read that passage. It's, it's in different books of the Bible, but in particular in Luke, what I love about that is that, that the gift at the end, he asks, tells them to ask. And then he says, how much more will the father give the Holy spirit to those mm -hmm. who ask him? You think it's like, ask, knock, ask, seek, knock, right. Or whatever you want. Get all the things you want. Yeah. Yes. But the Holy Spirit is beyond anything. We ask for wisdom and you get, we get the world. You ask for the Holy Spirit. You get everything, like you yeah. get everything that comes with that, yeah. which is God. It's all about eternity. Like none of it is about what's happening here on this earth. You know what I mean? Like all of those things that he's lavishing and giving us yes. are eternal things, which when um, in chapter 10 in Luke, when 
he's talking about the 72 that he sends out to go and heal and stuff in his name and they come back and they say they're so excited about the things that they were able to do that they were able to send yes. out humans in his name and jesus says don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven like he's just reminding them this is all yeah. great and i asked you to do this but that's not that's not the end that's that's just like a stepping stone and a good thing to what's really to come. But if you read, yes, not, but yes, absolutely. And what I love about that passage is the next portion where like, it's the first time that you see Jesus basically like giddy as a school kid, you know, yeah. he's like, oh my gosh, these disciples, like, this is what this is going to look like. It's almost like he's getting a picture of, not that he, he's God. I mean, God always has had a picture. Right, right, right. He's man. He's watching like man get excited about what is to come, like what's gonna what they're gonna be able to do forever. Yeah. One last thing before you go, I just want to give an app an immediate application to this passage back in the end of chapter eleven. Ask, seek, knock. My version says, "Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in." He was as bad as you are. You're at least decent, not to at least decent to your own children. Don't you think your father who saved you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him again? Like I just love the message version there. Mm -hmm. But um, I read that portion, and I stopped, and I had probably I think I had another chapter and a half to read or something like that. I stopped, and I went. I got down on my knees, and I was. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to ask this. I, there's like that. There's things like heavy on my heart that I just really just need to be bold and like, just be direct. Like, this is what mm -hmm. I want, God. So I got on my knees to do that. And my son who never like gets up and like in the middle of my quiet times, um, he's, he was so sick. He got up and he walks in the room and I was like irritated. I was like, I just got down to pray. Like, yeah. I was like, I mean, I was just in that, like I had been down for maybe 10 seconds before like he walks in the room and I'm like, really? Ah, yeah. And he's sick. And so I get up and I go to the other room because I'm going to continue my prayer. And God's like, he brings me back to the passage that we were talking about in Luke for the last week where like, give up your life. Give mm. it, Like, I, I know what you're going to pray for. I, I, I already know everything that we're going to discuss here. Get up and serve <laughs> your son. Like, go, go hold his head. You know, he's, sick my poor son is sick and I'm like irritated because he was interrupting my direct requests of my god <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway that was yeah yeah like those applicate those moments where he brings back verses that you've just right. recently studied and he's like go and do and yeah oh right okay yeah anyway all right that's that is episode two of the recap and we'll be back next week if you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.